Hey everyone, Wyatt here, and I have some exciting news. Next week, starting on March 4th, I'm going to be participating in a 72-hour charity livestream with a bunch of my friends over on the Roll Plus Bond Twitch channel, where we're going to be playing tabletop games and raising money for Black and Pink, a prison abolitionist organization dedicated to abolishing the criminal punishment system and liberating LGBTQIA2S plus people and people living with HIV and AIDS who are affected by that system through advocacy, support, and organizing. I'm going to be streaming Crescent Moon, a really cool game with big over-the-garden-wall vibes, Friday night from 9pm to 1am PST, which might be pretty late for a lot of you, but you should check out the stream regardless. There's a lot of cool people playing a lot of cool games. And if you do want to check out my time slot, you'll be able to catch the VOD on Twitch and later on our YouTube channel if you want. All the information about the stream can be found on our Twitch and Twitter, both at Roll Plus Bond, the word plus, not the symbol. Hope to see you there! Welcome back to Word of God. We are three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are vvim vim, or it, it's, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ash, man. I'm Emma, the latecomer. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. You can follow me on Tumblr at Lazarus Emma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. You can... Mm. My pronouns are he, him, and you can follow me on Twitter at Top of Thrones. And you can Today follow... has no pronouns. No pronouns. <laughs> you can follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr, and on TikTok. It's a new thing. At Word of Godcast. Uh, today we are doing episodes uh, 13, Ghost Facers, and 14, Long Distance Call. Content warnings for these episodes include... Content warnings for this episode include death by shooting, death by being hit by a train, barrier gaze, implied necrophilia, anti-indigenous racism and jokes about blood quantum, suicide by shooting, suicide by pill overdose, and child death. If you'd like us to warn for something you don't already flag, wow, that's not the word. If you'd like us to warn for something we don't already flag, you can reach us through our ask box on Tumblr or send an email to wordofgodcast at gmail.com. No, you have to flag it. <laughs> I thought you were going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I will, probably. Humiliate Emma. Um, so today I, just, we I, just, discussing... I just make Shut jokes up. and goofs today and decide discussing... whether to edit them out later. <laughs> today we're discussing 313 Ghost Facers and 314 Long Distance Call. Um, I said that already. Oh, that's true. Okay, so then let's just get it started with three... I was like... <laughs> not listening i was no, talking about crochet stitches can, that's okay we could banter about the episodes first yeah they're they're very good they're well they're very much the this the the 14 was fine mm-hmm. it was all right it's, yeah it's fine there was some there were there were, 14 is is feels like a classic supernatural episode mm-hmm. to me it's like mm-hmm. we got a monster of the week with a few fascinating morsels yeah, yeah. i have ghost facers is good notes. all the way down baby it's so true uh I have literally three notes for long distance call. <laughs> yeah, I only have I got a more than that, half, but I don't have a lot. Than I usually do. Not even a page and a half. But let's t- let's talk about anyway. Ghost let's talk facers. about ghost facers. Let's talk about ghost facers. All right, so I've got my synopsis. Um, 
so we have the recap, which is pretty basic, I think, and then Static interrupts the transition between, like, recap and cold open, and we see instead Harry and Ed, who were the Hellhound guys from 117 Hellhouse, they are now calling themselves Ghostfacers and pitching the pilot of their reality TV show. So this entire episode is their documentary of a case. We're using their footage. Um... We're introduced to some other ghost facers, Maggie, who is Ed's Asian adopted sister, Crobat the intern. That is not right. Corbett the intern. Corbett. I left the typo in my synopsis and I was like, it's fine. I'll catch it when I say it. No, I didn't. Corbett the, <laughs> the intern. At least I didn't say intern because that's what I wrote. Um, and Spruce, who's like kind of a douche. We'll talk about it. Um, Corbett is established to have a crush on Ed. Gay people are real um, and they're all very mm-hmm. lame and trying very hard to be cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so they tell us about the Morton house, which is haunted on leap year day. They go sneak in to set up and they meet our boys. It's not a very happy reunion. Nobody likes each other. Um, the Winchesters <laughs> try to get everyone to leave, but they don't end up leaving. So Harry, Spruce, and Maggie see a ghost echo getting shot. Um, and then Corbett gets kidnapped by a ghost. So they hear him screaming and everyone panics and discover that they can no longer get out of the house. They have to stay until either they die or the ghost is defeated, you know, standard stakes. Um, then another ghost echo appears. Dean tries to get it to snap into reality. Sam says it helps you if you have a connection with the victim. Um, but Dean fails and the ghost gets hit by an invisible train, which is weird because why are these ghosts here if they didn't die here? Good question. They continue investigating the house. They discover that Daggett, the ghost who haunts this place, is some kind of whacked up survivalist who stole dead bodies from the hospital he worked at. So the ghosts are here because their bodies are, which is really gross. Um, Sam then gets kidnapped by Daggett. Maggie and Harry start kissing. Ed is a little bit horrified and they have a very silly little fight. Um, Daggett is throwing himself a little party complete with like hats and music and then he kills Corbett in front of Sam. Dean realizes that Daggett would have had a bunker and so then he and Spruce get separated from Ed, Harry, and Maggie. He tells them to make a salt circle. Um, and Spruce goes with Dean to find Sam and Corbett. While Dean rescues Sam, Corbett's death echo appears to the other ghost facers, um, and Harry tells Ed about Corbett's crush, so Ed tells Corbett that he loves him, which snaps Corbett out of his death loop, and then Ed asks Corbett to help them, so Corbett defeats Daggett in the middle of the fight scene. Um, Ed and Harry conclude the footage with, like, a dramatic summary and a confessional from Corbett from earlier that night, saying he thinks that all their dreams are going to come true. The camera pulls back to show the boys are watching this video with the ghost facers. Now we get the real credits of the show, like, where it says, written by Ben Edlund and all of that. Um, and again, we'll talk about that. And then the boys are, like, disgusted by this cheesy exploitation of Corbett's death, and Dean leaves behind an electromagnet to wipe the footage and the hard drive and whatever. Um, I don't know, computers. And then the Ghostfacers theme song plays as the boys drive off and cut to black for credits with Ed's voiceover saying, that is money in the bank. It's so good. It's so good. This is one of the episodes. Ghost. Ghostfacers. We face the ghosts when the others will not. It's so good. Stay in the kitchen when the kitchen gets hot. Yeah. (laughs) We face the ghosts that the Uh. others will not. There's a bit in the lyrics where they say, we're who you're going to call. I feel like they should get sued for that. It's so funny. Yeah. I Okay. First thing, this is an extremely well shot episode because yes. it is very hard to make something that both looks amateur, but also is, you know, clearly not is, is done by actual skilled cinematographers who are communicating a story. Um, particularly the way they lean into some of the found footage horror vibes, I felt were really effective. The -hmm. ghost is scary in this episode. They do a good job, like, not showing him very much. Um, Yeah, it's... it's... There's one bit where, like, Corbett is in the dark with the ghost, and he 
like fiddles with his camera trying to get night vision on and he goes ah there we go and there's like the ghost is behind him in the night vision it's yeah. very good yeah. yeah um oh this episode was directed by phil screecha we've heard from him before what episode is that how you say that i thought it was screechia i don't know i think i mean i'm assuming it's italian right and in italian yeah. the ci just implies that the c is a, is the soft mm. sound mm. i pronounced it wrong last time then um so he's done uh nightmare provenance everybody loves a clown night shifter hollywood babylon kids are all right Jews and bello and ghost facers and he's going to continue through season wow all the way through season 14 wow. he's here for, he's here for the long run um all right there's so there's a lot we could talk about with this episode as far as the bits go, and I don't know if we should do that. I think this is one of the most, like, just go watch this episode. Like, yes. we should talk about our favorite moments for sure, but, like, the bits don't stop. They're, like, we could probably talk about this episode for two hours if we wanted to dig deep into it, and we don't yeah. have time for that. We will do our best to have um. mercy on you, listeners, and not do that. <laughs> Um, and, yeah, and not have so it just turn into like so here's funny. another thing we liked but yeah the there are so many jokes so many very good jokes it's a very goofy fun episode but mm -hmm. at the same time it has some of the craziest implications for the rest it's of the show it's so true uh-huh um so for for example in the introduction scene where um ed and harry are saying like hey we've got this you know pilot of a tv show you oh should produce um they make a comment about the writer strike yeah, um, I knew like, I knew we were gonna open with bold this. Bold new future. We know you've had it hard during the crippling writer strike. And Harry says, "Lazy fat cats." And Ed says, "Who needs writers when you've got guys like us?" <laughs> Which is really uh, funny. I didn't know they did funny. that. It's just... so my they second note like, is they specifically shout out the writer strike yeah. in season yeah. three, and then and, and then. then... I can't remember how much we've already said and how much we've like promised and teased. We about have not said much. You guys keep saying you'll talk about it. I assume this would be when you would talk about it. I mean, we still can't say everything because there's season three finale spoilers. Um, right. Okay. But basically, the writer strike is why there's 16 episodes instead of 22. Blorbo. Um, and why some plans had to be changed. <laughs> Blorbiel. I I have to tell you guys, I got so excited. I printed out. A I, I I printed out pictures for my notes because I always paste pictures into my notes. Uh, for four one Lazarus Rising, I got so excited. I saw him. I got so excited. Him. I'm so excited, you guys. It's so good. I'm so excited. Anyway, um, um, uh, yeah, I I was just gonna say for people who don't know, in two thousand seven to two thousand eight, there was a enormous writers' strike. The Writers Guild of America East and West. Uh, both went on strike. 12,000 film and television screenwriters went on strike um, over various things, including um, DVD residuals, uh, which I don't actually think got through. Um, the, uh, If I remember correctly, I think um, like animation uh, was really bad as far as like uh, I think that they were paying below union rates and stuff uh, for mm -hmm. screenplays. Um, I'm just double checking. Yeah, 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 because the majority of animated film and television writing uh, is not covered by the WGA um, and were written under a different union, uh, which had, uh, which, like, goes back to, like, Walt Disney stuff and um, was not, was, was not as good, 
screenwriting for uh, animation was not as good. And I don't actually, I think that is still true. I believe that is still true. I don't think that they made any major wins there, but their, their major wins were in uh, new media, um, which is like all sorts of like the internet's <laughs> internet, quote unquote, internet stuff. Um, basically because of union, because the union stuff was mostly, um, uh, all the clauses and all that stuff like fell back to the, like the eighties. They did not have stuff in place for the internet. Um, and so the WGA established, um, that, uh, streaming like, uh, services would also, uh, be covered by the guild, like Netflix and Amazon, like shows that would not go onto TV would still have to hire, uh, screenwriters at guild rates and stuff like that. Um, so they did make a win there. Uh, yeah, that's the writer's strike. Just extremely so messy, it's like, it's brief overview. It's a real overview. world event that specifically affected yeah. this show itself. So, like, in the context of the rest of the things we're going to talk about about this episode, it's just, like, another little nod at the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, yeah. these characters understand that, like, understand that there is a real world that affects TV, but also they are on TV. It's very meta. Yeah, and not just real world, but contemporary real world. This isn't yes, like an accident yeah. that happened a long time ago. This is like, here's some, I don't know, I was going to say political. I don't know if political is the right word here, but like some actual, like right now it is affecting people event that this episode is going to yeah. talk about. Or make joking allusions to, at least. Mm-hmm. Do we want to move on from the writer's strike bit? Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, like, in general, the Ghostbusters are very silly because they're trying mm-hmm. so hard to take themselves seriously that you can't take them seriously. At one point, there's, like, Ed and Harry are doing this extremely bad slow-mo walk, and then right behind oh, them, yeah. there's, like, cars going by that are clearly not in slow-mo. It's yeah, so they funny. do the slow-mo walk, but they don't actually have a slow-mo camera because they're really expensive, so they're doing, they're trying to mimic it. Um, also, I don't think we mentioned the episode starts with them both wearing shabby suits, uh, and, like, Ed is holding a glass of champagne, I think, or, like, white wine or brandy. The transcript says brandy glasses, yeah. It's a brand. okay, it's brandy. Um, and, but, (laughs) Harry is wearing sneakers (laughs) in his, like, shabby suit, and also Ed has a really weird bow tie on. It's just, it's very choice. Everything about it is very good. Yeah. They're they're pretending to be like, um, very much the old well professionals, but also they're going for the style of um stuff like uh if if you all know that Jonathan Frakes meme, uh, Jonathan Frakes asks you things from uh, Beyond Belief. Uh, that style thing of fancy person is here to present you with a thrilling, chilling tale beyond belief. Um, and they are they are they are doing it. I very do also want to say I did mention this when we first met Ed and Harry, but they are very much uh, bloopers or not bloopers, but they're they're satirizing. Spoofs? Yeah, they're spoofing Ghost Adventures. Yeah. Um I don't know if if uh, either of you watch any ghost adventures but i used to watch a lot of ghost adventures um and if you watch like the first 10 minutes of literally any of their halloween specials it is exactly like this except nobody's Uh. in suits but they're they're can't their voice their voices are like exactly the same yeah like grave theatricality of it all and then the way this episode is shot 
is shot exactly like a Ghost Adventures episode. Um, I can find some clips from like the first 10 minutes of a, ho of a Halloween special to show you, and then we can add it onto the post. But also, I think if you really want to know what I mean, watch a couple episodes of Ghost Adventure, watch uh, Ghost Adventures, watch like a couple specials. You will know exactly what I mean. The slow-mo walk, the like, the little cards that they have, all the text overlay that they have, the confessionals, like it's all very reality TV show, but it feels lifted literally. I mean, the confessionals, not so much, but like, <laughs> it's all very much lifted from Ghost Adventures and I love it. From like the, the edgy, like team name. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Zach Baggins is all over this shit. <laughs> I'm... I'm curious where the confessionals come from, because I, uh, as a big tabletop nerd, came at this from the direction of the tabletop game Inspectors, which this episode is just a game of inspectors, uh, which is a comedy tabletop game about playing ghost hunters, but you play it like you're a documentary crew, and you get, like, in-game bonuses if you do a confessional and, like, take step aside to talk to the camera, and I'm like, Jared Sorensen must, Sorensen must have gotten this from somewhere, and it's not um ghost adventures because the game came out in 2002 so i don't know what the like core reference is here but um maybe someone in the yeah, audience would knows be very interested tell to us. know um but but yeah that's 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 how they do it that's how they shoot this episode it's deeply entertaining it, it's, yeah, it's um, a very good bit <laughs> like where the joke is the formatting of the episode itself it's so good mm -hmm. yeah they like, they work in the, they work out of, uh, I think it's Ed's, no, it's Harry's, uh, uh, family garage. Um, and there's a very good bit where they're like in the middle of their meeting and the good garage door opens and their whiteboard falls off because yeah. their dad came home and needs to park his car oh, in the garage. One other thing filming. that I want to say, I think is also being spoofed, um, I, I I watched a lot of uh, Supernatural shows, I realized, when I was younger, which is hilarious because it fucking mm. scared the shit out of me. Um, it's... I can't remember what it's called. Um, but there's another show. Oh, it's Fact or Faked. Um, straight up, ah. like, right down to... I think, I think in Fact or Faked, there is one woman on the team, and she is Asian. Like, I feel like that is oh. also... They like they have a little little HQ. They have whiteboards. They have murder boards. Like, but their whole goal is is like MythBusters, but right. paranormal shit. Whereas these guys all believe in ghosts. I yes. think is is a core yeah. point. Like even um, I I actually I'm not sure if Maggie was like into ghosts. She, Maggie is extremely like the token woman who was just dragged into this because uh, she's uh, one of the people's sisters, but um. Also, by the way, the like the adopted sister line is really weird. It's like, yeah, we know we can look at them. Yeah, um, yeah, it's strange. I think it's just to establish that he's kind of a dick. Yeah, it's just a weird thing to say, <laughs> but yeah. that's fine. Um, but yeah, Corbett, uh, for example, is like, I was wondering, huh, where do ghosts come from? Like everyone here believes, and like that makes sense for for um. Actually, I don't know if Spruce believes before this starts either, but. Uh, I think Spruce is just here because it's funny. Um, but Ed and Harry 
of like we've we know that they had a interaction mm-hmm. with the supernatural so that makes sense yeah um speaking of spruce he has this weird line as like his introduction he says he's yeah. 15 16th jew 1 16th cherokee don't like that immediately um then uh he says his grandfather is a moel but he has like a really weird like over pronunciation of it i don't know maybe i'm just like my my accent is too American. He he's he like leans into pronouncing that. Um and his great grandfather is a talus maker and his great great grandfather and like a line about like gambling and peyote addiction. Did not like yeah, that line at no, all. It's yeah. Very bad. It's yeah, it's not great. Like it it also feels like they're they're establishing that Bruce is kind of a dick. Uh Bruce Spruce. <laughs> Spruce is kind of a dick in this scene, but it's yeah. still not. Like, I don't great. think it's supposed to be sympathetic, but it's still uncomfortable yeah. to listen to. It's like yeah. I, I feel like even at like two thousand eight or whenever it was two thousand eight, right? Yeah, it's I a leap that's year. Right. Yeah. April April two thousand eight. Um right, it's a leap year. Um I feel like even at that point, the, like, 116th Cherokee, like, white person thing, or, you know, Jewish, but there's a there's the connection there as far he, as, like, American culture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's you know it's what I mean? The, the, it's complicated. <laughs> Whiteness is complicated. We don't, we don't have time to talk about this right now. Um, that sort of thing, I feel like even at this point, was, like, people rolled their eyes at it, like... I think honestly, anyone over the age of like probably twelve, uh, well, no, teenagers are fucking racist. Um, (laughs) I say this as someone who was nine years old in two thousand eight. Like that was absolutely jokes that I heard uh, in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think to your point, Wyatt, pretty much anyone older than like seventeen who had a modicum of like racial awareness (laughs) did definitely roll their eyes about it. So the fact that it's like a full grown man. Yeah. Making this joke that was written by a bunch of well, I, men. I don't know if Spruce. I don't know if it's a joke for Spruce. It's a joke for the screenwriters. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the joke is that Spruce is the kind of person that think that like is happy to say, "Oh yes, I am one sixteenth Cherokee," and that is that is a meaningful distinction yeah. to me. And he yeah. like continues to be a little bit of a douche throughout the. I mean, yes. more than a little bit. Like he's he's not a very nice person when he when he um bumps into like. I am always going to mix up their names. Is it Ed or Harry? This is significant because um, one of them is the sister. Uh, Harry's the one with the sister. Harry's the one with the goofy hair and the glasses. You just said the same name both times. Yeah, they're the same yeah, person. They're the same person. Ed's the Ed's the one with okay. the real, real strong eyebrows. Is I would say Ed's defining feature. Okay, you know how I do it? I always think of it because Harry is the one who actually has less hair. He has um, hair wait. all over his face, girl. Every time. It wait, works. am I? Wait, am I wrong? No. I hate these names. Hold I hate on, it. Hold on, hold on, so hold much. Harry's anyway. the one with the with Harry's more the hair. one who's gay for the dead intern. Sorry, yes. spoiler. What? Wait. Already. No, we're wrong. We're wrong. We're wrong. Fuck. I've been. We've. Why does he look right. like? A, why does he look like an Ed? Okay, ignore I everything know. I've been saying. Go back Their and names change are all so the times. Backwards. All the times where I said Ed and change it to Harry and vice versa. I'm glad we got this sorted now. Harry is the one with less hair. You're right. Harry Harry's and the Maggie one with the are angry a couple. Eyebrows. So when Spruce yes. finds Harry and Maggie kissing, he's yes. like creepy about it. He's like, Bow Chicka Wow Wow. Yeah. Which was very 2008. I haven't heard Bow Chicka Wow Wow in so long. His, when he introduces himself in his. Like Owen confessional, he turns the camera back on himself. He's mowing the lawn. What up, player? Yes, I. 
Oh no, he's not mowing the lawn. Sorry, he's in one of those golf ball yeah, collecty thingies. He so, works at the golf so course. Like I'm in I'm I'm inclined to like Spruce as a character just cuz he's like He's funny. He yeah, he's hilarious and also I have definitely known guys like this. Oh yeah, I I've known many guys like um, this. So it like felt very like, real. I feel like this is the kind of guy who would hang out at the hill all, so I feel like I've known him too. <laughs> um also he said he's apparently a licensed uh shama shamanologist shamanologist sh mm. yeah it's hard to say in the caption it's not in the transcript yeah. though so which is which is funny like i've sat next to this guy at shala shittis i love how the the nature of some guy i mean all the guys i've known have been oh. gentile but like the people with this personality are just everywhere i guess yeah <laughs> Even yeah. in Canada, absolutely. Um. Um. So moving, uh, oh, I, I like Maggie. I think we've we've like moved on past talking about Maggie, but I like that she's like, you guys got a permit, right? Like she's the only one who has a brain cell. Yeah. Team, um, which like is, we again, should do like, that very, next time. Like token girl character trait. Yes. Like being the yeah. only sensible one in a room full mm -hmm. of guys, but good for her. They did not. Um, get, I was I just gonna Maggie. say. <laughs> I was just gonna say everyone in this room is feels like someone I knew in high school, yes. uh, which is partly my like mm -hmm. enjoyment mm -hmm. of this episode. The just some guyification of exactly, like despite the fact that they're literally all bit characters, like they mm -hmm. do feel real. I think the f the flattest character to me is Corbett. That's because his character trait is oh. gay. Yeah, we don't consider gay and himbo anymore. <laughs> Game, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, his character trait. He's he's got other character traits. He's, he's nice. earnest. Yeah. He's he's very sweet. He's clumsy. Yes. And he would be he's a good kind boyfriend. He got him the coffee he wanted because he He'll said be he liked the beer. Right. I would treat you he's, right. He's so sweet. Rest in so peace, King. <laughs> yeah. Also, his little his little polo shirt. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he gives good hugs. Um, this is an early actor yeah. fact, I guess. But I also, also um, Friedkin in Dirk Gently, um, where yes, in that one, wait, he's, the, he's like uh, also a himbo. the hot himbo. Yeah, single yes, single yes. Agent? Corbett, Corbett's like actor grows <laughs> in the past. In in like the next decade, Corbett's actor becomes extremely hot, and it's it's slightly yeah. disorienting. Holy shit! A lot of the Ghostface actors it's interesting actually that he plays like beefed up. A dumbass in yeah. Supernatural and in Dirk Gently. Yeah, very different like kinds of dumbasses. But casting yeah. directors I guess... see this guy and they're like, there's nothing going on behind his eyes. <laughs> no I guess thoughts, while head we're, absolutely empty. While we're doing this, he also plays Ted Mullins on Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Is he a himbo there too? I don't know. I haven't seen He's Schitt's very Creek, competent, however, but I'm he's also at... very sweet, so I think he qualifies. Like he's not. Oh, he's got the beard. He's got the beard in Shit's like Creek. Why is he veterinarian? I'll give him honorary himbo status. Shit's Creek. God, how old was he in this um, episode? I don't think we have time to keep of Supernatural. <laughs> uh, young. Like okay, so so Corbett was Hold born on. in 1985. He died in 2008. Yeah, so, so is Dustin Mulligan. Corbett's the same okay, age as okay. Dustin Mulligan. So, 2008 so. minus 1985. He was 23. Yeah. He's younger than me. Younger than Sam. Younger than Sam yeah. at this point. Yeah. Younger than Sam. Oh, he died so young. <laughs> he got better, though. Well, I guess. He got to move on. Um, oh, anyway. you're talking about Corbett. I thought you were talking about no, Sam. <laughs> no, no. 
Sam also died so young, but... But he got yeah. better. Sam also died at 23, twinsies. It's true. What does the show have against 23-year-olds? I don't know. Um, so then, speaking of the Sam, the boys show up with uh, yep. the Impala playing We're an American Band, and um, Spruce goes, it's okay, oh. not cops, just Hicks. Crazy yep. commentary on the It's boys. great. It's a really good intro to the boys of, like, who else would go around at, like, two in the morning blasting uh, American Band by um, uh, Grand Funk Railroad at yeah, this it's time It's very um, Crowley's intro in Good Omens. Where, yeah. Like, you hear the car before yeah. you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. Hold on. Um, I want to know. It's a fun character i want to know because the fact that they called them hicks is so interesting to me exactly um because let's see where are they in this episode because first of all the ghost facers are very suburbanite mm. uh we get a yes. shot of the outside of their house it's very like middle class um where where's the super appleton wisconsin Upper Wins- or at least the morton wisconsin uh, which i guess I don't know anyone from Wisconsin besides my mom, but she's not from Wisconsin. She's from Texas. Um, but like, I don't know anyone from Wisconsin, but I guess people from Kansas would probably count as Hicks to yeah. Wisconsinians. Um, Wisconsinites. It's. <laughs> I just think it's just interesting, but that like they don't like. It's not a Hick car. <sighs> it's just an interesting no, like it's just the the music probably yeah. also tipped them. Mister Edlund. <laughs> Like specifically, I would love to know what music. goes on inside your head. <laughs> also, so apparently, much. there's a Ghost Facers web series. Yep. Yeah, we're watching that. Um, okay. Yeah, let's do that. Um, the first episode is called "The Ghost Facers Meet Castiel." We're watching that. <gasps> Wait, is that where the? I saw is that, that where the? I've, I've seen that. I I've seen that one. Yeah. The oh yeah, my the, god! The, no, I'm Castiel. Yeah. The the Ghost Facers web series starts in 2010, so we should watch it when we when we get contemporaneous with the show um so it's probably gonna be a little bit but i don't know i think they're short episodes so we could maybe do like a two-parter or something with those we'll figure it out when we get there what about the anime when are we watching the anime i vote that we watch the anime after we finish the whole show okay okay that sounds like a plan and maybe then we can change our minds (laughs) that's a yeah that's a (laughs) bonus round because the thing is, is we could watch the anime after we finish the seasons that the anime adapts, but I think it would be more fun to go back yeah, because it would pause. be sort of like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to pause, and I think it would be fun to go back to the beginning, but from a completely different perspective. You can all experience Supernatural <laughs> from my point of view. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be fun and could be a good, like, yes. way for us to retread some old conversations and do some, like talking about those first seasons with the knowledge of having seen the um Once the first ones already than... but fully yeah and we could talk about it completely unspoiled yeah um, absolutely or completely spoiled i guess completely okay. without having to worry about spoilers anyway I love the supernatural extended universe also emma there's no way i'm letting you chicken out of watching the supernatural i anime. know i know it's fine yeah we're watching it um yeah. so the ghost facers <laughs> set up base um they're very trying to be cool about it spruce has a line the montage is fun ed mind Fuhrer. i hated that I don't yeah, like yeah i did not no, like that bad. at all that was bad yeah i don't like spruce i don't i didn't like like again i should have seen i yeah i like this good this is a this is a guy who exists 
it's 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 accurate to life it's still not great like i'm sure Uh, ben edlund writing this was like yeah i knew a guy like yes yes like straight up yes bruce feels real (laughs) yeah um anyway uh i like this montage i felt like it was well edited yeah, they play some fun. like epic music over it as they set up their base. This is very um, phasmophobia. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah it's like okay, we gotta get all our gear from the house and set up. We got like, a little, little base and, and area in the front room. Five minutes pass yeah. and the ghost can hunt. Um, yeah. Speaking of, occasionally the camera does like a glitchy effect, which is cool. Just like reminding you this is their yeah. footage. Um, and then mm-hmm. it, it happens yeah, that- a lot more once the ghosts start interacting. There's like flickering and like fuzz. Um, at one point, um, I think this is after Corbett's dead already, we're still seeing his camera because he was holding it when he died. Mm-hmm. And so occasionally the, oh God, it cuts yeah. to that angle. And like Sam is in the distance in the night vision blurry. And like it's, it's yeah. really good to get to see the blur. I love that. Yeah, this is part it's of the found really footage like tropes they're yes. leaning into that I quite liked. Is Yeah, the fuzziness and the camera and stuff. I love ghosts interacting with like technology in weird ways. And the show hasn't done it that much up until now. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I really liked it in this episode. We got it in Hollywood Babylon too, where the ghosts could be seen through the camera phone. So I guess this is just something Ben Edlund likes. Yeah, that's true. While we're talking about the cool camera angles, something that like really stood out to me is when Corbett takes out uh, the ghost when he appears and like tackles the yeah. ghost. We get a shot of Corbett's ghost over Corbett's shoulder. Yeah, because we cut to one of the cameras that he's holding, and it's so good. It is so good, and it's so It's very haunting. funny, because <laughs> this is talking now about the end of the episode, but yeah, the boys, <laughs> the boys, yeah, we're, we're jumping around a lot here. The boys make a comment, um, I'm just gonna read the exact line from the transcript, um, uh, yeah, Dean says, I think this is kind of half awesome. Sam says, yeah, um, I mean, it's bizarre how well you are all able to honor Corbett's memory while grossly exploiting the manner of his death. Well done. Uh, Dean says, yeah, it's a real tightrope you guys are walking there. Which is like, it's, it's, it is kind of sad when they delete the footage because this was, this ended up being like quite well edited. They put the, like, obviously it's well edited because this is a show made by people who are skilled at what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. like it was in edited universe, by a yeah, real editor, but in so universe, mm-hmm. the ghost facers like, put in a lot of effort, like video making evidence this of good last moments and things like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like while it is really exploitative, it, the, the whole, the way that his spirit is preserved in film mm-hmm. that gets erased says something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it also actually, there's there's something here I can sort of dig into a little bit in a way I think is fun, is they are better at this style of found footage filming than they are at, like, documentary style filming, uh, <laughs> because the camera work gets better once they're in the house. Like, the early episode has a lot of, like, bad, like, focus errors and stuff, where, like, the camera starts out unfocused and then they focus it during the shot, which is very funny, but that kind of dies off in the second half, which is mostly, like outside of the fiction is probably just from like okay we've done these jokes it's probably not funny and more distracting to keep doing them throughout this whole episode but uh still i like to think about it in fiction as like this is what the two this is what maggie and spruce are better at i guess corbett too because corbett's also filming i guess they all have cameras Mm -hmm. but it's it's mostly maggie and spruce 
Yeah. Um, so then they, while they're setting up, they like have a bit where Harry's scared of rats and he goes, rats are like the rats of the world, which is stupid funny. I love them. They're so dumb. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the boys show up and pretend to be cops and ask for ID. And then Ed and Harry recognize, well, Ed, Harry's not in the room. Ed recognizes them and he's like, I know you. And Dean goes, yeah, sure you do. Give me some identity. He like continues trying to bluff it. It's yeah. so funny. I I, I like this too, because it's like, for us, it's like, obviously these characters know each other. Uh, but yeah. it, it like it's in the dark. It it makes sense that it takes both of them a moment to realize. Like, wait a second, I know you. Um, also, before that, I do want to say uh, the 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 hand thing they do uh, when they go into a group huddle uh, and are like ghost facers together is very cute. They're so um, cute. They're just guys. I, They're just little kids. Yeah. They're just a bunch of friends in their twenties. Yeah. Go- goofing around in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a note here for uh, Maggie, um, which is like I feel like she is kind of the most like the like least painted character of this group. But there is a thing I like where like usually the sister who is dragged into this is like the buzzkill one or whatever. But no, mm-hmm. she's into it in a way that like is fun. Um, when they first see that death echo, yeah, she gets really excited screaming. along with everyone else. Yeah, she's like, like this it is was real amazing. Video, yeah, re- real evidence. Like it's so cute. I love it. Um, also, the boys, our boys, are like so tall that they're out of frame sometimes. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. good. Because like the show yeah. itself in other episodes is careful to always like frame it in a way that you can see the actors. But this is like some shorter people holding cameras. Um, and not being concerned about like whether you can mm-hmm. see Jared's hair, and it's really good. They look so big, um, mm-hmm. which also gives like a sense of like their their um, you know like bigness as indication of like their their confidence and their competence in this area in a way that the ghost facers are not. They're like larger than life, mm-hmm. um, so like it works for the show, but it's also like really good indication of the found footage. I loved it. Also, Jared is so fucking tall. Yeah, he's yeah. like hunched over and he's still out of frame. Um, and then, like, also they, they, like, talk over each other in a way that the show doesn't normally do. Mm-hmm. Like, occasionally characters will overlap dialogue, you know, but this time they're, like, all talking at once, which is great because, it, again, it, it steps back from that scripted feeling. Uh-huh. It, um, to use a I theater enjoyed. term, it feels very Really organic. playing with the format. Yeah. yeah. The chaos, the, like, I think found footage is really hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um. I've never seen the Blair Witch Project. I should have watched it. It was assigned for my mm-hmm. horror class. Uh. I didn't. Um, but that's, like, obviously the found footage horror movie. Um, and there's been a lot of attempts at, like, copying that. And a lot of the time, it's not done very effectively. Um, it's hard, admittedly. Like, and I think this episode, surprisingly... For Supernatural, I mean, of course, it's Bed Endland, so it's like an outlier, but like, for Supernatural, this is like an amazing found footage horror episode. Like, if you take out all yeah, the like the cracks and the it's jokes, like, it's really scary. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, so I, in the background here, I've been reading, um, the, uh, Entertainment Weekly article, Supernatural Send Off, AG, AJ Buckley, Travis West reflect on their Ghost Facers journey. Um, because I was curious about how they filmed this episode, um, which uh, briefly, I just want to say there's a cute line in here where Buckley says, Travis and I were like stepbrothers when we met. It was like, did we just become best friends? We had a really good energy together, uh, which like really comes off on the screen. Um, it's it's very cute. Like, yeah, these two do a very good job together. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is 
Uh, so first of all, uh, apparently they just like had this idea. They said, uh, let's do a ghost hunting show, but have it be like The Office. Let's do confessionals and interviews. So I don't know. Maybe they didn't have a direct inspiration. Maybe it was just The Office. Um, but uh, this is really interesting. Uh, Wester says, in terms of the technical aspects of the production, it was a 360-degree set, so that means you could swing the camera anywhere and you wouldn't hit a crew person. So basically, they would hit the bell, everything would start going, and then the crew left the set entirely, and it was just the actors with their cameras. This is uh, this is what I was wondering, is like, how did they shoot this? Like, were there camera people like filming and then they dubbed in the lines from the actors? Or did the actors actually do all the found footage stuff? And yeah, they did. Um, he says it was liberating not having the crew on set. It really created this environment where we felt more free than I've ever felt on any other set in my life. Cause it was just the actors. And so the level of immersion was unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. That was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. I think that was one of the first times anyone did anything like that. I don't know if that's true, but, uh, <laughs> also this is really cute. Uh, Buckley says we all got along and then director Phil, uh, uh, screech, like, how did you say it? I think Screecha. Um, was this warm, loving guy. He's got this little giggle that he does. He's almost like Santa Claus. So every scene we're rehearsing, we'd be laughing. He's just like, keep riffing. We just went off and started doing stuff. Uh, apparently the rat line, the rats are the rats of the world line was ad-libbed. That wasn't Love in the script. That. Um, they came up, all that rat moment, none of that was in the script. Um, so they just decided they to put it. that in because it'd be funny. Yeah, so they, they did a lot of improv techniques in this also, which I think really makes it feel like the like like the found footage um or documentary style stuff that they're spoofing um mm -hmm. yeah it's all it's all very interesting um there's there's also a little moment where um spruce catches sam and dean talking to each other um where i can't remember who says it one of them says like you said we should go do the um morton house it's our grand canyon um because dean has two months left to live yeah, um, I, it's they're like treating themselves by going to the most haunted house in North America or whatever the line is. Uh huh. Oh, Dean suggested it. I, he's such a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, then they get sealed in. Uh, there's a really good line where Dean says um, that the ghost wants us scared and Maggie says or just wants us. That's good. I like when they do yeah. work like that. Mm -hmm. There's some there's some cute little things here. Uh, Corbett's got his like all his gear on, and Spruce says, "You're Robocop." And Corbett's like, "You you think I look like Robocop?" In like a really like flattered voice. <laughs> flattered voice, yeah. Um, and then later when he starts freaking out a little bit, there's this really cute scene between him and Ed. Uh, where it's like, you gotta breathe, buddy. And Corbett's like, I can't breathe. And uh, he says, Calm down, buddy. Breathe. Calm the whirlwinds of your mind. <laughs> Yeah. I shipped them. <laughs> uh, Dean, uh, Maggie, Maggie's the one holding the camera for this bit that I'm about to describe. Um, and she's like asking about the ghost echoes and whatever. And so Sam and Dean are expositing. And then Dean says, all right, seriously, does looking at this nightmare through that camera make you feel better or something? And she mm -hmm. says like, uh, yeah, I think so. And Dean just kind of like goes, oh, and like accepts it. And then brings it up later again when sam was like you, you're still shooting to spruce and dean's like it yeah. makes him feel better but it's like specifically dean being the one to like recognize that filtering reality through mm -hmm. the camera helps him feel like does it do i look like paris hilton did it look cool like in the movies <laughs> yeah, like yeah, this is his, yeah. his coping mechanism and he's like okay she can use a camera if it helps that like although it is separation. interesting he he is also like 
A despite the fact that he it, thinks yeah. himself well not even that despite the fact that he thinks himself in this filmic way he does not want to like exposit his trauma to an audience also like when yeah. spruce asks him like hey what's up is it is it cancer are you dying man he's like i don't want to talk about it not a, actually he starts talking about it is the thing that like really hurt me is like dean is willing to like connect and talk to this person but the moment he realizes that like it's for an audience and not a connection with spruce as an individual he's like he shuts off it's it's a good moment yeah he says he's not going to whine about his problems to some reality show he's going to do his job yeah um, but actually, um, he's, is... he swore three times in there. Can we talk about the swearing? Okay, hold on. Before we talk about the swearing, just one more thing. Based The thing you said about uh, Maggie also, I, I felt like was one of the strongest moments of characterization for her because she does this little pause when he asks her uh, before mm. she answers as if like she didn't realize it until just then. And then it's like, yeah, I think it does. It's really good. Which I liked. Yeah. Should we save the ghost facers effect to be the last thing I can we hold talk on. about in this episode? I've been holding on. I can keep holding on. Um, I just feel like it would be a good um, thing to, to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the okay. the party with Daggett, Sam, and Corbett, um, the music is really good. It's playing um, mm-hmm. It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To, like on loop. Yeah. Every time it gets on to like, the end of that line or the next one, it, it starts over um, while Corbin and is there's, like, being killed. It's, it's I can't spooky. tell yeah, if they're it's corpses. Rough. I think they might be mannequins. No, no they're the dead bodies. Oh, of the ghosts. there are corpses, buddy. They they show well, they them have... at the end and they have these like grisly yeah. Richter's grins on. The eyes very just spooky. looked really bright, so yeah. that's why it weirded me out. Let me find a screenshot. I mean, but it's in very reality, good. they're probably mannequins. I would assume yeah. that's why. Yeah. I love how I said well, Yeah, they didn't like, get actual really dead, dead bodies. bodies. <laughs> no. Um, that's not allowed. Yeah, it was a very good spooky scene. Yeah, it reminded me of, of Outlast, the video game Outlast, the cutscenes in that a little bit with the found footage angle. Uh, and, like, the person stuck there, like, unable to do anything as a horrible thing happens. Yeah, so Daggett um, says something about, like, this isn't going to hurt to Corbett, and then he kills him. And then he approaches yeah. Sam and goes, this isn't going to hurt, and Sam is scared he's going to die. And he just, like, puts yeah. on a little party hat on him. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, he kills yeah. Corbett by, like, slowly pushing a spike through his throat. It's so rough. Yeah. And yeah. it, like, replays his death later with the death echo. Poor Corbett. Yeah. yeah. Also, the death echoes are really good. I, before we talk about yeah. the swearing, I just want to say that. Like, the, the guy getting hit by the truck, or sorry, train, train one, was really good, particularly the way, like, yeah, he he's standing flying. there, and you hear the sound of the train, and he turns, and then the ghost just goes flying and evaporates. It really it was, good, yeah. and they're, they're all like, what the fuck? Yeah, let's talk about the swearing. Wait, the hold, on, are... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let okay. Dean wish us to say fuck. We're going to talk about the ghost faces effect. It's got to do it last. I still have notes. Yeah. Oh, is that what the ghost faces effect is? Okay. It's, yes. The intro to it, yeah. But hold yeah. off. Okay. Hold off. Okay. Um, <laughs> my my only, meant. my last significant um, note is uh the confession of gay love allowing you to yeah be hold on in moving <laughs> on let's let's that yeah let, let's we, i got some stuff to talk about before that um real quick couple other like scattershot things just while we're talking about this um the mystery stuff in this i actually quite liked um it it the reveal at the end is fine it's like oh it's a it's a lonely quote-unquote crazy guy who puts corpses in his basement but supernatural tends to reveal the monster so quickly that mm-hmm. i thought the build-up to it was very good and like i said the way they the way they shot the ghost was very scary um 
there's a bit I think where it's I think it's Ed that does a little door kick uh, when they try to open the door and it's like just just use the handle and he wants to kick the door so badly that after they unlock after they open the door he kicks it the rest of the way and open. then proceeds to run away screaming um, because there's a rat in there yes 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 oh if it was no, if that it was, was Harry. Yeah, I think it's Ed who kicks the door and Harry who runs away. Okay. Harry's the one who's scared of the rats. I'm pretty sure it's Ed who kicks the door because Ed's the most toxically masculine one of the group. Yeah. Um, and he's the one who has to go be gay for that poor dead intern. Yeah, yeah. And also, do do we want to talk about the, the, the makeout scene? I just think that their fight scene is incredibly funny because one of them, I think it's their fight scene is, very is, funny. Pro- is literally going, yeah, yeah, every time he hits at him. Yeah. It's so funny. Well, and after when the fight scene gets broken up and he goes over to Spruce, he's like, I won that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Spruce and is like, yeah, I didn't totally. mention this in my synopsis, but while they're all huddled in the salt circle, it's like, it's fine. If we get out of this, it's fine. If you want to do my sister and Maggie smacks him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah, I, it's, it's weird. I guess I, I get it if, like, your best friend starts dating your sister, it's going to be rough if they break up, because then you're like, oh, well, I still like both of you, but also, like, he is a really weird, I, like, it's toxic masculinity. Is, like, <laughs> my best reaction, friend and my best sister. <laughs> my best sister, yeah, that was a funny line. <laughs> um, Steen realizes that, Cor- that Daggett would have a bunker when he, like, realizes that he was scared. Um, he's like, okay, so he's got, he's, he was a Cold War nut, he had, like, military rations, he's, he's got a lonely life, a Cold War life, he was scared, and he, like, repeats that, like, twice, and then he goes off to find the bunker, because, like, mm-hmm. real- getting into the headspace of him as someone scared is what gets Dean to understand him, which makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they gotta go into the basement for the, the climax of this, of course they do, of course it's in the basement. <laughs> Um, I did also kind of like the, both the, like, uh, making out and the fight did feel like panic responses, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. worked for me. It's like, all these idiots have, like, actually gotten themselves into serious danger, and so emotions are high. He's like, hold yes. my glasses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so then, are we going to talk about Corbett's death ethical now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just for me, it's about speaking into the future by 12 seasons for me. Just the handshake uh-huh. parallelograms of having your repressed queer feelings acknowledged, allowing you to be content with uh-huh. dying. Uh-huh. There's just, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. We talk about cast haunting the show a lot. We're almost there, but this is just so much for me. It's so much. I was trying not to take notes on the parallels, but like if you put a GIF set of the two of these scenes against each other, I would probably just lie on the floor. Um, yeah, but it's fine. Um, so so Corbett's ghost appears, and they're in the salt circle as recommended. Once they figured out that inside does not mean in the duffel bag, which is funny. Um, Yeah. But so they're in the salt circle, and um, Maggie and Harry are like, "No, don't cross the circle." Um, and Ed is like, "Guys, it's it's Corbett. I gotta do it," which is really good. He does care about him, even if he's not actually in love with yeah, him. Well, like, I mean, his Harry, he Harry, crying when he's doing this speech. It was so. Good. Harry does push him into it a little bit. He does say, "You gotta go be gay for that poor dead intern," which is mm-hmm. a funny line. Yeah, that one I wrote in all caps in my notes. 
But yeah, it's a really touching scene, like genuinely. Yeah. Um, Ed's speech is There's really a, good. Um, at some point, yeah. he says, uh, "Corbett, you meant a lot to the team. You meant, you meant a lot to me." Um, which, <laughs> again, casts parallels. Uh, but like in reverse, it's fine. I can't specify, but just trust me on this. And it's like, um, even though he's, he's it crying. doesn't read like, it's even yeah. though Ed literally didn't know that Corbett had a crush on him until this exact moment. Like he is so, he is still like, it's. <laughs> The, the, I really truly love you line felt genuine to me. And like, yeah, probably, no, probably question mark, not romantic love, but yeah, like, yeah, exactly. but it still feels still like he was, them. it wasn't, yeah, it, it wasn't played for generally. laughs. Like, oh, yeah. ha ha ha. I got to go yeah. be gay for the dead guy. Like it was still it really is genuinely yeah. raw. Sweet. Exactly. And then yeah. Corbett, as as far as as far as gays being buried go, I feel like Corbett gets it fairly well here because he also gets to save the day, uh, mm -hmm. and I really like that. I really like that he takes out the ghosts. He takes out the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, gay people saving the day by dying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying like there are worse examples. No, I'm just drawing parallels. Um, it's okay. And it's, uh, I like he gets to avenge himself as well, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also really like that Corbett attacking Daggett and then suing like fight scene is literally too much for the camera to hold. There's like interference mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. flashing, and like the camera can't show us, it... which is really good. Like I feel like it's obviously it's a little bit of a cop out of like they don't want to actually like stage a fight scene between ghosts or whatever. Like they, it does yeah. give the the people who are actually making the show a little bit of a shortcut, but I think it works in the fiction. It works really well. Mm -hmm. It it did feel a little bit like in a in a Looney Tunes show where two characters get to a fight <laughs> and it's just a dust cloud of writhing limbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then and then um, once the ghosts are both gone in this flash of light, Spruce goes, "You all right?" And like Sam and Dean like brush themselves off, and Dean covers the camera, which makes me nuts. Um, not for any particular reason, although we'll talk about like the meta narrative when we get to actually talking about the swearing, but like Dean specifically looking at the camera and covering it makes me nuts. Mm-hmm. Chum. I mean, we could just go straight into that because like, yeah, we're basically at the end. Oh, here. oh, well, I mean, we let's there, there I mean, is the line. To, yeah. There's oh the line. God. All right. So, so first, <laughs> um, Ed is doing like this dramatic speech complete with dramatic hand gestures. And he goes, war changes men. And Harry says, and, Maggie, uh -huh. and he goes, war changes men war and, changes one woman. and one woman. And one woman. Uh, diversity win. Um, and Harry, Harry says something about how um, Corbett's not an intern anymore. He's earned full Ghostfacer status. Plus, it'd be cool to have a ghost on the be team. Cool <laughs> like, completely the breaking team. his yeah, cool yeah. tone. It's so funny. Uh -huh. um, and then Ed is saying about how much um, Corbett taught them and about how gay love can pierce through the veil of death and save the day, which is a classic <laughs> line. It Just is iconic. Great, great it's line. Capable. It's... Gay yeah. love can literally pierce through the veil of death and save Alex the day. Alex was standing over my shoulder uh, watching that bit, and he made, like, a little laugh. And literally all I could think to say was, so true, bestie, say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the line, like, I this... It feels like this line was written as a joke, but for, for me now in 2022, I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. yeah. Go off, King. Uh -huh. Yeah, say that the in bravery. 2008. Say it. <laughs> This episode is so, 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 so much. Yeah. 
Um, and then we get a very sad, uh, like, final confessional uh, between yeah. Corbett and Spruce. Which is a really where... good editing decision on the Ghost Spacers Yeah, part. It's very yeah. effective. Yeah. Corbett says, I think tonight I really do. I think all our dreams are going to come true. Does that sound stupid? And Spruce says, kind of does, yeah. And then cut to in memory of Alan J. Corbett. Yeah. King of the impossible. Uh, so then, then the camera pulls back, and here we can talk more, because this is where the real Supernatural credits come on, um, which means yeah. that like now we are watching Supernatural, the show again. We are no longer watching Ghostfacers, the show, um, which is fun and cute. But also, yeah, the sudden in the shift context to of, like, the filming is crazy, styles. Because now, now you can't yes. stop me from talking about the swearing. During yeah. the Ghostfacers footage, Sam and Dean say fuck. They flip off middle yeah. fingers, and it's just blurred yeah. off and bleeped out. Yeah. Um, but that means that, like, objectively within the universe of the characters, the characters do, the people, Sam and Dean, do say fuck, right? They they are uh-huh. able to swear. They swear. Like, when they're going about uh. their lives doing cases, they swear. But when you're watching Supernatural, they don't, which means that for the rest of the show, the camera is no longer a neutral lens. We are acknowledging that yeah. the show itself is filtering the characters, and what you see on your TV screen isn't what actually happened to the characters as people, which is crazy, and I sound like a crazy this person is... saying it, but no, like, that is, is established is in great. canon. That's real. You can't, like, unsay that. You said that. If, the, if Sam and Dean say fuck here, and it's bleeped out... And then the rest of the show, they don't say yeah. fuck. That just means you're not showing yep. it to us to bleep it out. Which is I'm with you 100%. What, which leads to what fandom calls the ghost facers effect, which means like if something isn't being shown, it's just ghost facers effect. Something didn't happen in canon, but like don't worry about it. That just means that they're hiding it from you, which again sounds crazy, but it'll make more sense when you get to actually like really explore the metaverse, mm-hmm. the meta narrative um, implications yes. when we get to like season five, um, maybe four even. Uh, and then also, but, and like obviously beyond 13, that, 14, 15. exactly. So like when yeah. we really start playing with meta narrative in the show, that's when we get to like really explore Ghostfacer's effect and like the implications of it in Watsonian and Doyleist terms. But specifically here, like the characters have truths about them that we are not being shown, which is such a crazy thing to tell us. So like for example, Trans Dean, right? Every time Dean takes off his shirt, you can see that he is a cis man, right? But now we can say that's just Ghostfacer's effect. They're not showing us his top surgery scars. And you you can't disprove that. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's so great. It's it's interesting because um, this for me is true for everything because the camera is never neutral. Yeah, but um, this like explicitly just, tells you that, yes. that no, don't no, no, worry, no, it's not just, neutral. Yeah, it's I just crazy. really love this as a further excuse to like do the sort of readings that I already like to do and think people should be doing always. Like, I there's um, oh man, I wish I was I I wish I I knew more like film crit stuff because there's like a trend I remember um of like what is it is it cinema verite yeah um. Yeah, the observational mode. Um, Cinema Verite is how documentaries are filmed um, for the most part, or is a style um, also called observational cinema. Um, And the line here from Wikipedia is what I want. Many therefore see a paradox in drawing attention away from the presence of the camera and simultaneously interfering in the reality it registers when attempting to discover cinematic truth. Yeah, the like, cameras are never neutral. Um... You are always framing something in a specific way, whether it's you don't want people to pay attention to the camera at all or like really do. Um, But it's like cameras have the same function as the narrator in fiction. And what the same way that like 
there are first person stories with unreliable narrators, but also there are third person omniscient stories where you're supposed to take the narrator as the word of God. Uh, there we go. There's our, <laughs> there's our title. Um, but I don't think you should treat omniscient narrators as the word of God either. I think you should treat every narrator as an unreliable narrator because every story is being told by a person. Um, and there are things you can dig into if you set aside like the truth of the narrative mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So Ghostfacers is where we really start to play with like storytelling mm -hmm. and, as a concept. I love that you brought that up specifically, Wyatt, because it speaks to another theory in the fandom and in general, <laughs> like a a a motif that kind of comes out of the show, which I won't name either of them because they're spoilers. But okay. the, it we we will come back to this conversation. It will become relevant again. Yeah, I think by like season five finale, we can probably talk about it. So that's our deadline. Not not a deadline. That's our all um, right. Uh, finish line. Well, and then we, we'll it will happen again in season fifteen. Yeah, of course. By then we can. Really oh, talk oh about it. I see what you mean. <sighs> Great. Final thing before I guess we we finish talking about this episode um, is uh, they, they say don't be facer haters, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> they don't even have a following yet. They haven't even sent out the pilot yet. No one has seen them before. They don't have they don't have a fandom, but they still have a word for people that don't like them. And I thought that was it's very cute. funny. Um, okay, After Facts time. Is there anything else? No, I'm done. I'm oh, done. I had a final like wrap up for this episode, which is I love whenever the boys are not the main characters of the episode uh, and particularly the camera not treating them as the main characters of the episode. And this is like the most we've ever gotten that um, it's it was just great to see them stumble into this. Uh, and it's always cool to see your protagonists from a different point of view, from someone else's perspective. Um mm -hmm. Which I think like falls under like the Ghostfacers effect that we were just talking about of like this is this is someone else's POV that we're looking at the boys from and we see them differently, which yeah. is 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 neat. Um, makes me think about like whose POV are we seeing them from in the Can't regular wait for show? Season six. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, we talked about Dustin Milligan already. Um, who is who is Corbett? Um. The ghost, uh, John DeSantis, uh, plays Lurch on the New Adams Family, uh, and also the bald man mm. on a series of unfortunate events. This man is so large Whoa. and imposing. He's very big. Uh, he's good at that. Uh, he also plays some other monsters in the future in Supernatural. Um, the Austin Basis, uh, who, incredible surname, first and foremost. Uh, Spruce plays uh, J.T. Forbes on the Beauty and the Beast show. Uh, and also uh, Math Rogers on Life Unexpected. Um, and Brittany uh, Ishibashi, um, Maggie, plays Tina Minoru on The Runaways. And uh, Karai in Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur Turtles Out of the Shadows. Uh, a movie. We don't get a lot of actors who are in movies in this show. Or, like, if they're in a movie, it's, like, a bit part extra. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the episode. So we will take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about episode 14, Long Distance Hall.
Um, so 314, long distance call. This episode was written by Jeremy Carver. It's a name we hear a lot. Uh, it opens with a guy drinking alone in his like office, his home office. Uh, the phone rings and he's talking to a woman named Linda. We're led to believe that he's cheating on his wife with Linda, but things get weird when after he unplugs the phone, it starts ringing again. Uh, and the cold open ends with him shooting himself. Uh, Dean and Bobby catch wind of this case, and they think that there's a spirit involved. Sam says they already have a case, which is Dean's. But Dean is tired of wandering around in circles, having no idea what to do about his deal, and they have a big argument about it, but eventually Sam gives in, but he's really whiny about it. Uh, next, they're asking the widow about what happened. She says that her husband has been talking on the phone with a woman, but when she picked up the other line, there was no one there, just static. So they figure it's something to do with the phone lines. They head to the phone company and are introduced to Stewie, who is a really bad stereotype of an Indian person. He's got porn muddling up his work computer and the office space is a mess. Uh, they have to intimidate him into running the number that was calling the dead guy's phone, which I should note is over 100 years old, and find out that it's been calling a bunch of places all over town. So we assume that there's a ghost calling people up, but why here and why now? Sam asks around a few places and there's a teenage girl that has been getting, been getting phone calls from her mother and is worried that she's crazy. Sam comforts her a little bit and he calls Dean to update him. After they got off the call, Dean's phone rings again and he thinks it's Sam again, but just kidding, it's John. Uh, they're still trying to figure out what's going on and Dean finds a motel pamphlet. Apparently the city they're in is the birthplace of Thomas Edison and a museum in the area has one of his inventions, the spirit phone, which supposedly allowed him to communicate with the dead. So that's one part of the mystery solved, I guess. Um, Dean gets another phone call from John saying that the demon that holds Dean's contract is here and that it's been tailing them for ages. He's got an exorcism that can kill a demon and save Dean. Dean tells Sam about it, and Sam's a little doubtful since they still don't know what's going on here, and he therefore they don't know if that's really John. Uh, the teenager from before starts getting IM messages from her dead mom. She keeps telling her to kill herself. Uh, it's a really creepy scene where she shows up in the reflection of the screen. Or, I don't think it's the reflection, I think it's actually like the, the webcam turns on and records her and in the background of the webcam she's there but she's not actually there it's, it's really, really cool. cool it also doesn't make any um, fucking sense no. we'll talk about yeah. this she calls sam who wants to go comfort her and he tells dean not to do anything until he gets back because he's worried dean is going to get led into a trap so sam figures out what's going on he learns that all the mysterious ghosts have been telling their loved ones to come to me so he knows that it's a corkata he calls Dean and tells him that that's what's going on, and Dean realizes that these things live in filth, so they immediately think of Stewie from the phone station. Sam heads there, but Dean hasn't gotten there yet. He sees Stewie leaving to go to his car, and Sam comes up behind him and threatens him with a knife. The boss from the phone company, Clark, comes up behind Sam and hits him with a baseball bat, and while Stewie is expressing his gratitude, Clark breaks his eggs as well. Uh, so Sam and Stewie wake up tied to chairs in the phone station. Surprise, surprise, the crocata is Clark, and he faked the call with Dean. Dean has no idea what's happening. Clark kills Stewie and eats his soul, and then Clark goes to the phone line to make a call. He calls a police officer under the guise of his dead daughter, saying that the man who killed her is at their house. And that sends the cop after in a rage. Then he calls Dean as John and tells him that the demon is at such and such address, which happens to be the cops. We can all kind of see how this go. Either Dean kills a civilian or Dean gets killed by this rampaging cop. Either way, it's a win for Clark. As he's delivering this villain monologue, Sam breaks out and they fight, and Sam ends up impaling Clark through the back of his neck with a sick palm punch. Yeehaw. Uh, Dean and the cop fight, and they're both pretty fucked up, and eventually Dean realizes that there's been a huge misunderstanding. Oopsie. No idea how he actually gets out of that, but next we cut to the motel. Well, Dean and Sam have both been punched a bunch. They both look like shit. Uh, and they have a fun little brotherly moment. 
and they share a beer, and then the episode is over. Yeah, so remember how we were talking about John haunting the show? Yep. Man. <laughs> it was John, well, except not really. Okay, I need to talk about this from the top, because this episode's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... Yes. This is. I only have two notes for this episode, so maybe the worst excuse for a monster I've ever seen Supernatural do. Do y'all know what a krakata is? You said just what you sent in the chat. No, yeah, it's a hyena. Not. That's why we have you. It's just a hyena. It's what the Greeks called hyenas oh. because they heard this story about like an animal in Ethiopia slash India that could mimic human voices, and are like, "That's fucked up. Let's tell." creepy stories about this monster um which like yeah hyenas laugh like people it's kind of spooky um but yeah that's that's it that's that's what a krakata is it's a hyena and this is like first of all even if you're doing like the mythical version of a krakata it's an animal it's a dog it's a it's a hyena it's not a man (laughs) second of all how does he know all this shit how does he know? Almost no one knows about Dean's whole secret deal thing, unless he's got some line to demons or whatever. But he's just like a, a dude who messes with the phone lines and I guess eats souls and has scary teeth. But okay, like, so he does say a little bit about like explaining how he knows things about people, and he's like, oh, he listens to their voicemails, you know? Right, um, but that doesn't I, I, that it doesn't, doesn't explain make everything. <laughs> At least they tried to explain it, I guess. Like, it's it's dumb. yeah. I'm not right. counting that. That's stupid. That's a bullshit explanation. <laughs> like, I guess it makes sense for the people <laughs> in the town, but why does this guy have voicemails talking about his like high school sweetheart who's been dead for twenty years or whatever? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Also, this cold open doesn't make any sense either in hindsight because it makes you think that like, oh, the ghosts are making people want to join them in the afterlife. But no, this is a guy just trying to lure in food. And but that's not what happens at this cold open. And yeah, maybe he just fucks up and does a bad job. But help him eat them. Like, yeah, he's not yeah. even there. This is a mess of an episode. It really yeah, I think the webcam like, is like few... supposed to be like, okay, so he can manipulate the screen to show whatever he wants, like he did with the like saying, come to me. I, yeah, um, I guess. So I guess it's still incredibly dumb. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. This is... It's made me the grumpiest as like a folklore person. Yeah. Also, this is petty, but like when the um little dead daughter is calling the cop... Um, there's like overuse of um calling him daddy the same way that like the changeling kids overuse mommy, mm. and like I get that it's like it's supposed to be like creepy that like little kid horror overusing cutesy terms, but like it just mm-hmm. sounds so dumb. He killed me, daddy. You should go kill him back, daddy. Like that's not how yeah. anyone talks ever. Like every sentence, that's not how mm-hmm. communication happens. Which is actually one of my, like, pet peeves about writing dialogue, because, like, it's so instinctive when yeah. you're writing to, like, have people use each other's names. And then when you're talking to each other, when does that ever happen? For effect. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Like, I, I say you guys' names because I have to make it clear who I'm talking to because you can't see me. So I'll be like, oh, like you said, Wyatt. But when you're t- in a conversation, yeah. you can just, like, look at the person. You don't need to say, like, um, because that's what we do, Sam. You just wouldn't put the Sam there. I don't know. I, mean, I would in that case. Yeah, in, in that like case, occasionally, names, but not the names way that are TV characters for emphasis, do it. But, but no, but you're right. right. Yeah, yeah. It, this guy is not very good at pretending this to be is, nine-year-old girls. This is 
I've, I, I do I do writing stuff, and this is the most annoying thing about starting any story, is like, okay, I get a front load characters calling each other by their names, yeah. or slash, like, uh, writing character names, like, as much as possible to get that all into the... I mean, in a, in a, in prose, it's easier, because you can do it as the narrative voice, but if you're writing a script, it's fucking hard. I wrote a, I wrote a big old script, uh, as my, like, one of my final projects, uh, for my, um, bachelor's degree in creative writing, and just constantly having characters say each other's names because like you got to do that yeah i feel like that's why claudius is never actually named in hamlet like the the list of characters says claudius is the king but the characters only ever call him like your majesty or whatever um i feel Mm -hmm. like shakespeare tripped up on that one (laughs) he's just like nobody would call him claudius what am i supposed to do yeah um and, and for plays it's easier because you get the dramatis personae like handed out in little pamphlets before the play starts so you can be like ah that's this character's name but yeah if you're watching a tv show or something like a, a person needs to hear a name at least three times in close succession to like actually lock it into their brains and it's like yeah you gotta front load that shit and it's really annoying damn normal people <laughs> anyway three times yeah i know i <laughs> yeah i said at least um yeah okay anyway uh <laughs> small note uh when we open on the boys in this episode uh, there's a hot dog stand near the uh-huh. edge of the frame that's called yeah. big dog on it's campus really which good. is really funny <laughs> <laughs> so are we going chronologically yeah yeah i guess i have very few lines uh very few I notes don't have for this a lot. episode yeah um I do like how um, when fake Linda is talking to Ben in the cold open, she says, like, I love you, and it sounds like a threat. It's good. Yeah. That was yeah. Like, my only good note for I that. Do, I do open. like, like yeah, that, I do like how initially we're led to believe that he's, that it's adultery, and that this is his girlfriend calling mm-hmm. him. And then led to believe that this is his, like, ghost girlfriend slash, like, dead wife slash, like, dead partner or whatever because we don't know um or like former dead partner anyway um and yeah it's like oh ghosts are making people Mm -hmm. kill themselves which would be a more interesting plot for this episode to have yeah it feels kind of it would feel for some reason that feels like a doctor who plot to me or like it wouldn't actually be ghosts but you like learn the city of ghosts season two yeah. So true. Sorry, army of ghosts. Yeah. Hey, it's not me committing the Doctor yeah. Who crimes this time. <laughs> I do it almost as frequently as you. Relax. Um, so then we have Sam and Dean. Dean was talking to Bobby about um, telling them to go on this case. And Dean tells Sam to pack his panties. And then Sam yeah. goes, you were talking a case? And he says, no, we were talking about our feelings and our favorite boy band. So, like, double, I don't know what to call this. I wonder what Dean's this. favorite boy band is. <laughs> Insane. What year is this? Was One Direction big yet? <laughs> yes. I don't think. Was Maybe. it? I feel like this is early. One Direction feels like 2010s to yeah, me. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. I was in middle school in the 2010s. Justin Bieber was yeah, really formed big. formed in 2010. I was I nailed okay, it. So this is before. It's in sync. Dean listened to I think, it, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, so just like stacking Dean and gender problems yeah. for no reason at all. It's just yep. like, yeah, he's he's grumpy i guess um my next note is that when he's playing cop he tells this woman that um withholding what was it withholding information from the police is a capital offense and sam clears his throat and he goes 
in some parts of the world, I'm sure. Which ugh, it's just dumb. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't yeah. like his cop act ever, but like especially when he's no. pretending that like you could die if you don't tell me what I need. Like it's dumb. It's bad. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. It is very funny um, though that she goes. I thought he was talking to a woman, and Sam goes, "What made you think that?" And he says, "Because he kept calling her Linda." <laughs> Your Linda is GNCAF. <laughs> um. Like before that, also we get that argument, but where Dean reveals to Sam that there's no way to save him, and uh, it's sad. Sam's very yeah. upset to learn this. It's it's yeah. it's sad. It's a good scene. Despite the fact that a few episodes ago, Dean was like, "Yeah, we gotta find a way to save me." Now he's like, "Okay, there is no yeah. way." Hope is slowly flickering out. Yeah, they're running out of time. He's got two months left, even less now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's only three episodes, two and a half episodes left of this season. So true. Yeah. Yep. Um. Anyway, so we find the spooky phone number and we to, meet yeah. Stewie. Stewie likes the same Yay. racist porn that Dean does. It's bad. Yep. It's so bad. There's a lot here and it's all bad. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is like one of the most like common like Indian American tropes for like if you're gonna have an Indian American character in your your TV show is like oh they're gonna be like the weird grungy nerd. Um, we got uh, um oh what's his name on The Big Bang Theory? Raj. Oh, Raj. Yeah, right. His name's Raj. We got Raj on The Big Bang Theory. Um, the guy on that '70s show. Yeah. See, I don't watch a lot of sitcoms, but it's a very common sitcom. Yeah, I don't know any specific type. examples, but I know the character I type. I only know because I yeah. my family has bad taste. <laughs> Mm-mm. Yeah, bad. so it's not good. Also, like there's it. more cop shit. Yeah, extremely cop. I shit. do like Dean like being intimidating, but I mean, I guess, I guess they're not playing cops in this scene. They're playing people from, like, the phone company headquarters uh -huh. or whatever. They're playing, they're but playing, still, like, like, um, upper management, which is, is so like true. the cops of the business um, world. I like Dean's little self-satisfied smile. Yeah, when I hate his cop acts. I do like his smug smile. He's cute. Mm -hmm. I love Dean. I also hate Dean. Yeah. This is the way of Supernatural. Exactly. Um, then Sam does his little door-to-door -door act. Um, and mm -hmm. and uh, he says, I'm with the phone company. And the guy who opens the door says, we didn't call the phone company. And he says, oh, no, sir, we're calling you. I love his customer service voice. He's so mm -hmm. friendly. Um, There is, like, Stewie's thing, like, oh, my God, holy crap. Ten different numbers in the past few weeks all got calls from the same number. I'm like, is that that surprising? And I guess the surprising thing is, like, it's this weird dead ancient number. But it's, like, it doesn't, it didn't feel like that big of a reveal as they, like, framed it as. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wow, a phone number got used. I mean, he was, he was like, nobody's yeah. using it. And then it was like 10 different yeah. calls. It's a little bit weird. It is weird. It's just like, I don't know. It's not that dramatic. Yeah. Relax. Um, so then Lainey drags Sam for filth. <laughs> she says, since when does a phone guy drive a rental or wear a cheap suit? She's observing. Yeah. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Sam does his, his, uh, magnet bonding with weird traumatized kids um he's like i've been there yeah. i know what it's like sam will see a child who is scared of the supernatural and be like i am a weirdo too sam, yeah boy feels like laney really reveals to him this to him real quick but 
Well, she's scared. I don't know. I guess it's easier to adult. tell the She lets him into her house. Now. This is a strange yeah. man who said one nice thing to you, Lainey. <sighs> yeah. So then <laughs> Dean yeah. on the phone is telling Sam about some, like, 84-year-old who's having phone sex with her dead husband. Um, and he says, it re- redefined my understanding of the word necrophilia. And someone, some girl walking past him gives like, this disgusted look. <gasps> Yeah, it's funny. It's very funny. It's gross, but it was so funny. Yeah, it's a gross joke, but it's a funny reaction, and Dean has this little, like, look on his face after. Yeah. And then immediately he gets a call from fake John, who just says Dean, and the call hangs up. Um, And so then the boys talk about whether it's really the ghosts, you know. Um, He's like, other people are hearing from their loved ones. Why can't we? It's at least it's a possibility, right? Whew. The way that, like, Dean has hope and faith, but only in John. Like, specifically, he wants to hear from his dad yep. so bad. Like I said, like, he keeps John's yeah. phone charged for no reason. Not for no reason, for a very legitimate reason of, like, hearing from other contacts. But he can't let the man go, is my point. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, what if, what if he calls back? And sounds like, what? He says, what do I say? And Sam goes, hello. And Dean says, hello? That's what you come back with? Hello? And, like, walk, storms yeah. out. Sam's like, what? Sam is just so normal about John in, like, a very weird way. Um, where Sam is just like, it's just dad. Um, like, you just say hi. You just see where the conversation goes from there. And Dean is like, what do I say to this, like, father figure, like, hero worship, died for me figure? Mm-hmm. Like, Dean has so much baggage mm-hmm. around the potential conversation that could happen if it's really his dad's ghost. And Sam is just like, say hi. Where, again, like, Sam doesn't recognize, like, what Dean's problem is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this spirit phone thing is stupid. However, I think it's kind of funny as a as a reason why this is happening here. Because it, it's kind of smart of the um, Krakata to do this here. Because if any hunters come for him, he's got the perfect red herring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gloats mm-hmm. about that later on. And it's that that's kind of funny. The, the Krakata... Like, as stupid as this whole thing is, I think the actor playing him did a good job. There's some interesting things he says that we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah. Um, Sammy says the word supernatural. Um, Also, by the way, I I do want to point out that Krakata is a white guy, despite the fact that, like, the the myth, the Greek myth was about a creature that is from, like, Ethiopia slash India. Just wanted to... Drop that in there. Yeah, which is probably why Stewie is a character of color in addition to the yes, like, yes, nerd yeah, trope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also on this note, fuck Thomas Edison. Yeah. Um, there is a bit in the museum where the tour guide woman, who is, who is very funny, extremely yeah. tour guide lady, like over like emphasizing words. Um, she's like, she does like big scare quotes a cultist and dean gives sam this look it's like why is she doing that yeah it's she so says good. he the the phone could be used to communicate with the dead with like quotation and marks goes, around communicate and dead and then immediately yeah. and we're walking we're walking and we're not touching that yeah and so the boys stay behind to examine the phone um and then dean gets another call and I don't even know how to talk about this call. It's so mean. Um, John says, how could you sell your soul? And Dean says, I was looking after Sam like you told me to. And John says, I never wanted this. You're my boy. I love you. 
between this and um dream a little dream of me's lisa saying i love you and uh carmen and the others saying i love you in uh what is it what should never be like dean just keeps being told i love you but only by people who aren't real i hate it that's too much i hate it i hate this show i love you dean mm-hmm. also yeah. he's like backlit in red during this call it's cool um then we get laney and her mom and the webcam which we've discussed already so i'm going to skip mm-hmm. over it if you guys are yeah, it's all right. It's a little spooky. It's fine. It's pr- it's mm. pretty. Spooky. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for this context. It's... But if it were about like a ghost haunting a computer or some shit, it would be cool. Uh, so then Dean is like doing research based on what John has told him, and he says that like there's been electrical storms everywhere we've been for the past two weeks. And Sam's like, I don't remember any lightning storms. And he says, Well, I don't remember you studying meteorology as a kid. Yeah. Um, which is funny, like, there's empirical evidence of the demon, the phone call is lying to him, and he's just like, it's fine. Dad, Dad wouldn't yep. lie to me. <sighs> and then, oh God, oh God, okay. So so then they say, like, there's this exorcism, and Sam's, he's like, the only one here who's been to hell is Dad. Maybe he picks up a couple tricks. Um, and Sam is still doubtful, and he says, um, Dean says that like we're we're finally close to actually getting him out of the deal um the man is dead and you're still butting heads with him and sam says we've got no hard proof after everything you're still just going on blind faith which is so good just like a really good callback to like their season one family dynamic and like he's dead and they still Mm -hmm. have this pattern that they're stuck in um and dean says maybe that's all i got yeah also also sorry i just need to say earlier when Dean's talking about like the demon tailing him. He says, "I guess I'm big game, you know. My ass is too sweet to let out of sight." Yeah. So true, bestie. So true. Oh, I skipped this. Um, earlier in the conversation, um, before they start fighting about dad, um, Dean sa- Sam says, "Dean, look, I want to believe this. I really do." And Dean says, "Then believe it." Which, mm. <sighs> Dean and Faith. There's a there's a gross oh, Chris Hansen God. joke here that felt very two thousands. Yes. Mm-hmm. He calls Laney jailbait. Hated that. Yeah. Yeah. This is where Laney lets him into the house. Don't do that, kids. Yeah. Not safe. Don't do that. Um, I do like that Simon, um, Laney's little brother, who's... I don't know how old he is. He's, he's like, old enough to pick up his toy phone by himself and know how to answer it. Um, but, like, his toy phone that's, like, clearly made mm-hmm. of plastic. And I love no, how like, he says, rings, hello, Simon, last name speaking. Like, it's so cute. Yeah. You know he's seen his dad answer mm-hmm. the phone. It is And it's it just is really copying cute. that. How would the Corcada know that there was going to be a truck? How does the Corcada know anything? Nothing about it him makes any sense. It's Maybe not even worth heard, talking about. Like, truckers have, like, radios <sighs> planning out their routes or whatever, right? I'm folding my arms in contempt at you even yeah. <laughs> attempting this. Or it doesn't need to be like planned out that specifically. If you just tell a kid to walk into a street, don't do that. Um, then <laughs> I feel like the chances are there's going to be something coming if it's a busy enough street. But It's still incredibly but, okay. stupid. Obviously, it's incredibly stupid. Most cars like can break in time. Trucks are important in that way themselves. because they cannot break as fast as smaller cars. Well, he's small. Like, he's too small to be crossing the street by himself. So, like, maybe they wouldn't see him. Whatever. This is stupid. This is... Obviously, it's stupid. <laughs> I'm I'm finished defending it. It's dumb. Uh, so, Sam saves him. 
in time. Yeah. He just like grabs him. Also, there's a there's a, there's the thing here of like Lainey being like she wanted to take all his sleep. She wanted me to take all of Dad's sleeping pills. Again, why? Why? Like, I guess it's easier to to get her when she's dead, but also he'd have to still go break into her house. Break into her house. Why not lure her away first? It doesn't it's make any sense. It's such a weird. Me- like we've seen how he eats souls. It's bizarre yeah. that he's content with doing this long distance. Yeah. Maybe you can travel through phone lines. And that's how he would get there. Fuck off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like when Sam says a cricotta. Dean says, is that a so sandwich? <laughs> um, and then Dean accepts it really quickly, which is when I got suspicious because I was like, he was so mm-hmm. intent on it being John. I don't think he would just be like, all right, damn, that makes sense. Um, and then Dean goes, don't these things live in filth? The flies at the phone company, which is also very funny once you know that yeah. it's not actually Dean. Yeah. Because if it was Dean, I was like, there's only one dirty place in the whole city. <laughs> uh-huh. You I guess know, the phone company logic. is more closely connected to the case itself. Yeah, but it's that's fine. true. It was pretty yeah. funny. Dean's voicemail calls himself Herman Monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... And then Sam attacks Stewie, Clark attacks both of them, Clark kills Stewie, poor Stewie. Um, He was, like, begging and apologizing, and he's like, there's a good man inside of you, and Clark goes, what do you think, Sammy, am I a good man? And Sam just says, just let him go. I feel like there's something there about, like, Sam and sympathy for monsters, but I don't know what there is. Um, Also, I like... Again, this monster is smarter than most of the monsters they fought. I like that he lures Dean away. Um, mm-hmm. that was an interesting part of this climax. It's I also like, like that Clark calls this him guy, Sammy. He doesn't matter. Like specifically, yeah. he's yeah. Cho- he's he's adopted that from, um, like listening to their voicemails or whatever. Like he's picked up on Dean calling and John, I guess, calling him Sammy. It's spooky. Yeah. Um, I also really like the effect of his jaw, where he like unhinges it like a snake and has like very red, yeah, like spiky teeth. Um. Mm-hmm. It's very it's like TV cool monster of the week monster, but it's all right. His yeah. teeth are creepy. <laughs> There's like this goofy slurp mm-hmm. noise as he <laughs> like eats uh-huh. soul or whatever. Gotta get lost in the sauce. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then he gives a speech about like 2008 cybersecurity. Yeah. Yeah. This. <laughs> it's interesting. It's. It's kind of on the nose. Um, but I sort of like a monster, like I theoretically like the idea of a monster that, okay, I'm just going to read this line. Um, he says, technology makes life so much easier. It used to be I'd hide in the woods for days, weeks, whispering to people, trying to draw them out into the night, but they had community. They all looked out for each other. I'd be lucky to eat one or two souls a year. Now when I'm hungry, I simply make a phone call. You're also connected, but you've ever, you've never been so alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, Which feels, feels very hard, like, a boomer like, trying to make, a, like, a commentary about social media, but also, like, it, it does slap. I'll give it that. I, I, I feel that, you know, especially, like, living in the suburbs like I do. Like, I don't feel any fucking community around me. It's all of these, like, rich people houses slowly gentrifying out the smaller ones. And it's like, I don't know anyone here. Like, there's, we're all mm-hmm. living in our disconnected houses ignoring each other. So, th- that bit hit for me. As, as someone who longs for community. Yeah, I also like the um, concept of a monster that has adapted to, like, modern society. The same way we had mm-hmm. with um, yeah. A Very Supernatural Christmas. 
with like the pagan yeah. gods that have adapted to like assimilated literally um it's fun I, I do like a good adaptation but like we've talked about how like it's it's reasonably good that clark lured dean out of the way and like pins these humans against each other which is nice we don't get a lot of human versus human fight scenes um mm-hmm. but it's also so dumb because like it would be solved if either one of them just said why they're attacking the other which immediately happens yeah like dean starts yeah. trying to do an exorcism and the yeah. guy's like what and like steps out of the circle which immediately proves well, to dean that something's wrong and then the guy starts attacking dean and so like you why did you kill my daughter and all dean has to do is say like i didn't do that <laughs> It still it still works to of getting yeah, Dean away, okay. so it's not one it's not two on one for Clark. Uh, Clark still loses because Sam's the protagonist, but it would have achieved its effect if he had won. Although then he'd had an, then he'd have an angry Dean Winchester yeah. after him. So, <laughs> and it's so dumb also because then he's like, "I didn't kill your daughter," and the guy says, "Then what are you doing here?" And Dean goes, "I don't know." That's not what he asked you, Dean. He's not asking yeah. for your existential reason for being here. He's like, "What are yeah. you doing in my house?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then the boys hang out. Um. All all beat they up. Sure make fun of each other for being beat up. Um. And, <laughs> and then Dean says that he's scared. He's like tearing up. He's yeah. scared. Guys, he's he says, scared. I wanted to believe so badly that there was a way out of this. I mean, I'm staring down the barrel at this thing, you know, hell for real forever. And I just, Sam says, yeah. And then, yeah, he says he's scared. Sam also starts tearing up. Dean says he was willing to believe anything. Last act of a desperate man. Uh, Sam yeah. says nothing wrong with having hope. And Dean says hope doesn't get you jack squat. He can't expect dad to show up with some miracle which at the last is, minute, which is crazy. That's what happened. That has, that's what happened. That happened already. Yeah, literally. Stupid fucking season two finale. Yeah. And then he says, the only person that can get me out of this thing is me. And Sam very, very, like, firmly and, like, a thing he believes in his whole heart says, and me. And then Dean goes, and me? And Sam goes, what? Dean says, deep revelation, having a real moment here. And that's what you come back with? And me? Sam's like, uh, do you want a poem? And Dean says, the moment's gone. It's really and cute. It's, oh, it's cute. It's also really sad. Yeah. And then they just sit yeah. there and start watching a movie together silently. They drink beer simultaneously. And the shot just lingers on them for like five seconds before it cuts, which is, it's interesting. It's like this awkward moment between them of like failed connection, yeah. but also mm-hmm. still an intrinsic connection, which I believe the like drinking beer simultaneously like represents. They're both trying so hard. They, they don't are. Know what they're doing. They're just little guys. Those are my blorbos. Yeah, so that was the end of my notes. Yeah, this is this is maybe the shortest we've ever talked about an episode, but there's really not a lot here. This is a bad monster of the week episode and has a little bit of good boy stuff, but not much. We're mostly just retreading old ground still. It's good callbacks of old grounds, but it's not like interesting Mm -hmm. in like uh, much to talk about. Yeah, this feels like. This feels kind of because I know we're about to hit fifteen sixteen. We're about to get to the end here, um, so I guess it works as like a filler episode. Like here, audience, let's remind you how our boys are thinking, and we can tie in this John thing to like the greater monster of the week plot. It's like in theory, all that works. It's yeah. just not not a great episode. Also, since um, last season finale, Don did come out of nowhere to save them. Let's establish that we're not going to do that again. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And it's it's interesting because Jeremy Carver wrote this. And Jeremy Carver wrote Very Supernatural Christmas and Mystery Spot, which were both very well-written episodes. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone can keep putting out bangers. I guess he also wrote Sin City, which was kind of a mediocre. But there at least was a lot too. to like talk about philosophically. Yeah, with yeah. That, there's but... not, there like there's a little bit here of like internet stuff, but not not much. Do we have actor facts for this episode? Nope. Not even for Clark. I feel like I recognize him. Um, I'll double check, but uh, I couldn't find anything interesting. Um. Oh, he's been in Stargate and Smallville, but I haven't seen either of those, so I guess not. He just has a face like something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> in the, sorry, I scrolled down to the wiki in quotes. Um, it says Krakata John, but I read that as Krakata John. This is my this is my new tabletop character, Krakata John. <laughs> yep, <laughs> he's a sandwich maker slash bounty hunter. Sounds like Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> my my scum and villainy yeah. character. Yeah, this is this guy stopped. This guy was um, in Supernatural as Clark Adams, and then did not was not in anything for almost 10 years and then was neighbor's husband in 2017 in Chappaquiddick. Wow. He's Dr. He's he plays Dr. Jaeger in the dead zone in one episode. He's Roger Nixon in Smallville. I don't know. Like none of these are interesting things. We're just, I'm just here now. We should end mm-hmm. this episode. We're done. Here. Well, I do have, I do have a question for you. Why? Yeah. How do you think, how do you think season three oh, is? Oh God. Yeah. Um, I think, I, the only way that anything makes sense to me at this point with like you all talking about the writer's strike and its relation to Castiel and et cetera, et cetera, is I think they had a plan for how Dean was going to get out of hell, but that all get got bungled up by the writer's strike and the kind of messiness, which, which with which season three is cobbled together and them doing various things out of order based on me reading or doing various things like earlier than they meant to. Uh, Cause if I remember correctly, the finale of season two is supposed to be the finale of season three and the Sam stuff was supposed to have more of a buildup. Um, so everything's at a whack at this point. And that's not writer strike stuff. I don't think that's cause that came that was before. <laughs> that's just, that's just Kripke being Kripke and deciding he's tired of the, of the psychic stuff. But I think it's gotta lot. be, we, if I remember correctly, Castiel comes in in season four so mm-hmm. I think Dean's going to go to hell and like Castiel's going to save him or something. He's going to be like, no, Dean, you you are you are important for reasons. And so I'm pulling you out of here or something. It's going to be a um, angel out of the machine. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> OK, mark on, that on down. Angelus, Angelus Ex Machina or oh, whatever. Oh. Cool. Cool. So, I love this little love tradition this. that we've yeah, started of asking Wyatt about the finales. Um, so next week we do 315, which I assume is time is on my side, and then 316, no rest for the wicked. But mm-hmm. I did just pull that out of my hat, so let's see if I'm right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Time is on my side. I think it's just like a sort of plotty Monster of the Week episode. I don't oh. really remember it very well, but judging by like all of the promo yeah, pictures that I saw while I was Monster doing my It's Monster of the Week, but also we get... Um, some closure for a different character, which I won't say, but I'm sure we'll find out as soon as we start the episode. <laughs> um, and then... Oh, Bella, I'd assume. Right? Bella's okay, gotta come back up. They've me. been it's hunting fine. her all these... Um, <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> and then the next episode is, of course, No Rest for the Wicked finale. Mm-hmm. I was right about the titles. I have worms in my brain. 
Well, um, until next time, I guess. We will be sitting here watching TV yep. and drinking together. Yeah, watching, watching, and, and, yeah, awkward silence. Uh, rate and Let's reviews. Let's leave a, <laughs> okay. I mean, I was waiting for you to do yeah, it, but please, then you didn't. Thank so you for like... listening. Please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. And now please enjoy the five seconds of awkward silence before we end this podcast and cut to the music. The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find the link in the episode description.